So a couple of things before we start. First, um, they put this stone here, right there. And they're like, you stand there. So it's a cue. And I joked with them um, that this is my Ebenezer. Have you heard that word before, Ebenezer? It's a Hebrew word. And when you translate it, it literally means stone of help. Ha <laughs> ha! My Ebenezer right here is helping me know where to stand. And Emily was like, we want him to stand there. If we give him very clear instructions, he'll be fine. So thank you for that. I'll try not to move. Um, nah. Also, I wanted to let you know that um, we've been trying our best to sort of put together some plans for what it will look like to move indoors and worship together safely inside the building. Um, we were just beginning to put those together, uh, and then the school said, nah, we're, we're not going to have in-person school. And so uh, we, for our kids' programs, we always follow what the school does, and so we figured that's a really good guideline for us as well. Uh, and given that school isn't in session in person, they're all virtual, uh, we're going to remain outdoors or online, okay? Also, since there's now a mask mandate in Ames, uh, and we understand that it's not enforceable and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we want to respect that. Uh, and so we just want to be patient. And when we have more information to share with you about that, uh, how, how we can do it together safely indoors, uh, we'll pass that along. Uh, but just wanted to, to let you know that we are putting plans together. Uh, and when we, when we have more details, uh, we'll let you know. Uh, also, uh, we're continuing to follow what's called the lectionary, uh, which means that uh, this is just a collection of scriptures for every Sunday. Uh, millions and millions of followers of Jesus are uh, following the lectionary, and so millions of people are looking at what we're looking at this morning, uh, which is, it kind of, it, it makes me feel good because it's like we're all sort of connected to the greater church. Uh, also, sometimes it forces me uh, to teach on things I'd rather not talk about. Um, this is what's up for Sunday, so uh, this is what we're going to do. Um, so, uh, now that I've, you know, prepared what I've got to say, I just want to let you know that, that what we're going to talk about this morning is really important. Really important. And you'll figure out why when we get there. So, this morning we're looking at Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Before we read, uh, if you've got it with you, you can follow along. Uh, but before we read it, let's pray together. God, thank you for this opportunity to once again gather in your presence to remind ourselves that we do belong to you, that you are our God and, and we are your people. And as we open up your word, oh God, we ask that you, would, that you would speak to us and that in some way you would change us and transform us and make us new. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew 18, starting at verse 15, If your brother or sister sins against you, go point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if, if, if they will not listen, take 
one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, then treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they, they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. We will go that far. <laughs> so, before we get into sort of the, the nitty-gritty of what Jesus is talking about here, what Jesus is teaching here, I'd like to just, just quickly make two general observations about what's happening here. So, two observations, then we'll get into the meat, the nitty-gritty of what Jesus is doing here. First observation, this is some of the clearest teaching we get from Jesus. Like, there's not a lot of room for interpretation here. This is some of the clearest instruction that Jesus gives his people, right? Which probably ought to say something about how important it is, right? Like, normally we find Jesus speaking in parables. Like, he'll tell a story that sort of opens up a whole room or a whole world and we can sort of walk into it, and we can have conversations about it, and there's all sorts of ways you can interpret it, and it's fantastic and awesome, right? Like this. This one guy had two sons. The younger one comes to him and says, hey, I'd like my share of the inheritance, which is essentially saying, dad, I wish you were dead. And then Jesus builds this whole world, this whole story. It's the story of the prodigal son, right? It's this whole world that we can we can sort of enter into, we can have long conversations about it, and there are all sorts of different angles you can come at it, and, and there are all sorts of different ways that you can interpret it, and it's awesome. Or, instead of parables, a lot of times Jesus will talk in metaphor, or he'll use similes, right? He'll say something like this, the kingdom of heaven, it's like a mustard seed, and all of a sudden our imaginations start blooming, Right? And we can have all sorts of conversations about what does that mean? The kingdom of heaven is like a, a mustard seed? Or he'll say something like this. He'll say the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who lost a coin in her house. And she's so desperate that she tears apart her own home just to find it. And when she finally finds it, she's so overcome with joy that she goes out, she grabs her neighbors and her best friends, and she has them all inside her house and they throw a big party. Of course, they're all wearing masks, socially distant. They're doing it as safely as they possibly can. But you see what I'm saying? So that whole, that, that sort of opens up a whole world. We can talk about it, have conversations about it. It makes our imaginations go wild in all sorts of different ways that you can interpret it. Are you with me? But here, in this, we have some of the clearest teaching that Jesus gives us. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, here's what you do. Step one, if that doesn't work, here's step two. If that doesn't work, here's step three. And then here's step, step four. He's really, really clear. This is what you do. There are a couple of other places in Scripture where 
where Jesus is really clear like this. This one guy comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus says, that's easy. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. That is the foundation of absolutely everything. Everything else in life flows from those things. Love God, love people. And another time the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, well, when you pray, say our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, and on and on and on. It's simple and very clear. And even in those two instances, there's a lot more room for interpretation than there is in what Jesus gives us here. So this is some of the clearest teaching that Jesus gives us. I just find that fascinating and interesting. That's the first observation. Here's the second one. Jesus is just being a realist. He's just being a realist here. He's assuming that we are going to do things to hurt one another. He's just assuming that, that we are going to say things that will wound one another. He's just assuming that there's going to be disagreement and that there's going to be conflict. We're going to hurt one another. We're going to hurt one another through the things that we say, through the things that we do, through the things that we forget to do, through the things that we, we intentionally forget to do. We will wound one another. But then here's what he does. He gives us a way through it. Right? You see, he's trying to create a new kind of community, a new humanity, the sort of partner with God at what God is up to in the world. Jesus says there's this also new reality called the kingdom of heaven, and it's going to take a, a new humanity, a new community to partner with God in order to get done what God wants to get done in the world. So he's trying to create this new humanity, one that is different than what we often see out there in the world, from what we often experience out there in the world. So knowing that we're going to make a mess of things, knowing that in some ways we're no different than everybody else, knowing that we're going to wound each other, we're going to hurt each other, he sort of gives us some, some rules of engagement that will allow us to preserve community, He's trying to create a new humanity here. He gives us rules of engagement to preserve that community so we don't always have to go our separate ways. Are you with me? So let's get into the nitty-gritty, okay? Mm. I'm going to tell you right now. We don't generally like to hear this stuff, but I think it's important for us to hear this stuff. Jesus gives us a, a series of careful and measured steps to work toward reconciliation, to make reconciliation possible. And I think that behind or underneath some of the things that Jesus says here, we can find what we might think of as guiding principles or, or foundational values that are really, really important. So we're going to go through those. Here's the first one, I think. Always value engagement. 
always value engagement. Right? He says this, if your brother or your sister sins against you, go and show them their fault. Engage. If someone hurts you, does something to injure you, he says, go, show them their fault. Now let's just be honest about this. We are terrible at this. We are not good at this at all. We like to sit. We like to stew. We like to wallow. We like to invent all sorts of different reasons why this person did or said what they did to injure us. We, we invent motivations and we have no idea whether or not they're true. And all of that does is increase anxiety and deepen our sense of anger. Have you been there? Have you done this? Nobody's done this. You all are angels, and I love you. We can all go home because none of us needs to hear this, right? We do this all the time. Jesus says, don't do, don't wait, go. There's no, there's no, it wasn't my fault. Like, why should I be the one to go to them? They should be the ones to come to, uh, to me. It's their responsibility. They're the one who injured me. Jesus says, no, go. Go. Always choose and value engagement. Which means we got to risk hard conversations. Work towards healing. Not just a sense that ah, everything's just fine. While the room burns around us. If someone has injured you, he says, go. And here's the deal. I don't, think that, I don't think it matters what side of the conflict you're on. I think this is true for which, whichever side of the conflict you're on. Like if someone injures you, like in this case, Jesus says, go, engage, go, show them their fault. Guess what he says in Matthew chapter 5? You can go check this out later. I'm going to paraphrase here, but essentially he says this. If you're going to worship to bring a gift... And you realize, oh my goodness, I've done something to harm somebody else. He says, leave your gift where it is, go and be reconciled, then come back and head into worship. So it doesn't matter whether we're the one injured or we're the ones who, who caused injury. Jesus says, go, engage, go. <laughs> when we read this, we love to put ourselves in the place of the one injured, right? We love to. But what if it is reversed? What if it's the other way around? What if we are the ones who caused injury? Are we, are we humble enough? Are we willing enough to, to hear some hard truths about ourselves? Are we willing to listen, really listen, without a sense of defensiveness when someone confronts us with something? Do we really care about reconciliation and restoration as much as Jesus does? Or do we just want shallow relationships? Jesus says, engage. Go. If someone injures you, don't wait. He says, go. That's the first thing. Value engagement. Here's the second thing. Value the dignity of the other person. I think this is, this is important. Value the dignity of the other person, even if they didn't value yours in the first place. Value their dignity. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and show them their fault. 
And then what does he say? Just the two of you. Go to them in private. Value their dignity. I wonder. I wonder if you've ever had an experience like this. So you're on Facebook, right? You're just scrolling. And you're having a happy time. Right? You're looking at people's dog pictures. You're like, oh my goodness, that dog is so cute. You're looking at people's baby pictures. Like there's this funny video you found and you're just immersed and you've watched, you've watched it a couple times now. Or, there, or this woodworker is building, a, is building a table and he's using this epoxy stuff and you get transfixed and it's awesome. And then you come upon this post and someone is just venting hard. Do you experience this? And they're going on and on. They're saying, this is what happened to me. Someone did this to me. Someone said this to me. And they're explaining it in great detail, not, not putting any names out there, but just exper- telling you, this is, what we're exp- this is what I'm experiencing. And can anybody, ever, can all of you all believe that this is happening to me? And it goes on and on and on. And as you're reading that post, you realize you not only think you know who they're talking about, you know exactly who it is they're talking about. And now it's just out there. It's out there for the world to see, for the world to read, for the world to like and comment on and put this little cry face emoji on there so that they know that you're on their side. All this gets, it's just out there. And that invites all sorts of conversation about who is he or she talking about. And all sorts, it's like a spark turns into a flame and suddenly people just start talking. Hey, did you see the post that so-and-so put on there? What, is, what are they talking about? It just invites that and invites slander. Have you had that happen to you? It stinks. Have you ever done that to somebody? You know what Jesus says in these instructions, which are really clear? He's like, man, there's no room for that kind of stuff in this new humanity that I'm creating. Go, engage privately with the two of you. Go, protect, value their dignity, even if they didn't value yours. And this is really hard. It's so hard. It's much easier for us to talk to others about what somebody else has done to us or said about us. So before we go to the person, normally we go and talk to other people to make sure that we're right in our thinking. We go to make sure we have other people on our side. We sort of gather the troops so that when we do go and confront that person, we've got enough firepower to go guns blazing. That's what we do. Or we don't have any intention of talking to the person whatsoever. And so what we do is we gossip about them. And we figure if we just, if we just bring them down a peg or two or three or four in the community we're in together, then they will have, then they will have paid the price. Justice will have been served and they'll be down here and, and I'll be up here. You know what Jesus says to that kind of stuff? No room for it. Not not in this new humanity that he's creating. Go, just the two of you. Preserve their dignity, even if they didn't honor yours to begin with. 
so hard. Here's the next thing. Value, honesty, and truth. Value, honesty, and truth. He says, if you're not listened to, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. He's quoting Deuteronomy there. Again, here Jesus is just being a realist. He understands that conflict management is really, really hard. He understands that sometimes a one-on-one conversation isn't going to get the job done. And so he says, in that case, get one or two people and bring them in along for the ride. But, but look, this isn't about, this isn't to gossip. This isn't to sort of gang up on the other person. This isn't to escalate things. This is all about honoring truth, honoring honesty, making sure that we get to the bottom of what really happened. Like, and by the way, this isn't just to, to ensure the honesty of the one who did the injuring. It's also to preserve the honesty of the one who's been injured, the one who's been hurt. Because when we've been hurt, when we've been injured, like, we have this tendency to exaggerate what happened to us. We don't want to exaggerate. Let's get at the truth. Any parent... Any parent understands that this is, what we, this is what we human beings do. Like your kids will be in the basement. There'll be some sort of conflict, and they'll come running upstairs, and one of them will say, he tried to kill me. <laughs> Bruh, no. Like we know, right? It's an exaggeration. And, and when we're the one who we've done the injuring, sometimes we don't grow out of that. When we, when we do the injuring, what do we do? We have a tendency to do the opposite. We minimize what's happened. But Jesus here is saying we got to have more people in the room so that we can honor the truth. We have to value the truth. That's really hard in this world where truth is being attacked. Right? Truth matters. It's not just up for grabs. Like Jesus insists that we take more people so that we can honor the truth, so that we can tell the truth. Are you with me? Again, this is hard. It's going to get harder. Here's the other thing. Here's another thing I noticed. Here's another value. Value the body. He says, if they refuse to listen to them, tell it to the church. Now, at this point, we're like, this is really uncomfortable now. Tell it to the church? Bring everybody? Like, Jesus, you're just, you've overstepped the bounds so far. Like, you're off, you're, you're off the reservation with this one, but you, it's too far. And this is way, way too far. This is really hard for us. This is really hard for us to think about because when we think of the church, we think of the church as this sort of, group of voluntary individuals who sort of get together every so often. We come, it's very consumeristic, we come and we, we get what we need and then we leave and then we come again and we get what we need. Right? But the Bible doesn't ever describe church that way. 
It's not just a voluntary association of certain individuals. We think it's that way because that's the world we live in. We value, we value individualism and personal individual freedoms more than we value community, more than we value the body. It's the world we live in. But the Bible, the Bible says something very, very different about the church. The Bible describes the church as a body. Each part of the body is dependent and interdependent on all of the others. So when conflict happens in the church, the entire body, even if the rest of the body has no idea what's going on, the entire body suffers. The entire body feels it, even if they don't know exactly what's going on. I've experienced this. I'll know of something that's happening, and it just makes the air different. The atmosphere changes within a body. I've experienced this. I know what it looks like. Even if nobody else knows what's going on, the whole, think of it like this. It's like when you stub your toe, your pinky toe, or your big toe. doesn't matter what toe. When you stub a toe really hard and it hurts really, really bad, what does that do to you? It causes you to walk all kinds of funny, right? So you limp around for days and you're walking all kinds of funny and all of a sudden, two days later, you realize, man, my hip is killing me. My back is all out of whack. It's all messed up, right? It's because when one part suffers, the whole body suffers. Your hip has no idea what's going on with your toe, but your hip and your back and your mood It's all affected. When one part of the body suffers, the whole thing suffers. But what is your body doing by limping around? By the suffering of this part and this part back here, you're leaving room for that part down there which got injured. You're giving it space to heal. So the body is doing what the body does to heal itself. When you get a cut, what happens? Your body's like, something's wrong here, and it sends all sorts of good things there to help it to scab over, to protect it, to leave room for healing. Jesus says, tell it to the church, because this church, this body is amazing, and it has the ability to heal itself. Oh, so good. Value the body. Here's the last thing to notice. Practice hospitality. It doesn't sound like practice hospitality or value hospitality, but, well, it sounds like this. Here's what Jesus says. If they refuse to then listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And everybody agreed and said, amen. Treat them like an outsider. It's like, finally, Jesus gets there. Finally, he gets there. It's like, sure, we have to go through all that other stuff that's really hard, those steps that are painful and difficult and emotionally draining. But finally, we get to the point where we get to treat them like an outsider. We get to cancel people. Cancel culture. It's in the Bible. It's biblical. Who knew? Yes. Only that's not what's going on here, is it? We don't get to cancel people, people, ever. It's not part of this new humanity. 
that Jesus is creating. Treat them as you would an outsider, a pagan, or a tax collector. Consider this question. How did Jesus treat outsiders like tax collectors? He welcomed them. Everybody agreed and said, Oh, man. Consider how Jesus treated the extortionist, tax-collecting mob boss named Zacchaeus. Literally stealing from all kinds of people. Extorting money from them. He's like, going to your house today. Think about how he treated the outsider, the Samaritan woman at the well. I could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. These stories about Jesus doing these kinds of things are all over the pages of the Bible, all over the place in this book. He always found a way to include, to love the outsider, always offering hope, always offering healing. Jesus never canceled anybody, even on the cross, the people who were killing him, he didn't even cancel them. He said, Father, forgive them. And if we're following Jesus, we probably ought to do the same, don't you think? We engage, we value dignity, we value the truth, we value the body, and if none of that works, we still offer grace. We still offer hospitality. We still extend care. We continue to hope for reconciliation and restoration and this thing we might call resurrection. Anybody? Has there ever been a time when we've needed to hear this word more than right now? Has there ever been a time? I mean, we are so divided. We are so hyper-partisan. We are so... We are so wrapped up in our own ways of thinking that we don't even listen to anyone anymore. We don't even take the time to try to understand anymore. We don't even... We don't even try to really hear each other anymore. What would it be like if we lived into this new humanity, this idea that we are different? Into this new humanity that Jesus is trying to create. What if we led the world in this? What if we, what if we gained a good and beautiful reputation? Not for how right we are. But what if we gained a good and beautiful reputation just for how loving we are. I think that'd be great. Don't you? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for speaking to us, even when it's hard. Thank you for, for giving us really clear instruction on, on, on how to be this new community that you're creating, that you're that you're making in this world and giving it as a gift to the rest of the world. And we know, God, that this is really hard stuff and it's going to take you and your presence and your spirit to make all of this happen. 
And so we, we trust, God, that you will do that. Help us to live into this new way of being, which is so healthy and offers so much hope, not just for each other, but hope for the world. Teach us, O oh God. Change us. In Jesus' name.